Israeli police burned the Star of David onto a Palestinian refugee's face after tying him up and brutally beating him. 16 Israeli police officers claim all 16 of their body cameras malfunctioned. So not believable? I don't know how they managed to just all collectively agree to live in denial. Lisha Yarid, this Israeli settler, was taken into custody following the killing of Palestinian Jose Jamal Matan, 19 years old. Sitting in court, chumming it up with the prosecution, yes. all of the lawyers ordered to house arrest in a stolen home. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of like when White Shrew was like, I'm an assistant sheriff's deputy and he wasn't actually being paid, but he was arresting people. Yeah, I would have compared him to the clan over Dwight Shrew, but, <laughs> but you know I guess. I mean? it's like Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Gaz and Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram, and you can call me Mikey Intifada. If you think there's no such thing as Jewish fascism, but you just branded a man's face with the Star of David. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, and subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week. It's called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash palestinepod. Your Mikey Intifada was a story that I actually wanted to lead with today because I want to understand what level of Zionism is this. We've been doing this for two years, and we've covered tragedy after tragedy. We are often surprised by the level at which they can keep escalating their fascism. And we had this, we had the previous episode with the rabbi who let us know that they are not acting as Jews, but they are cosplaying. Um, cosplaying as Jews. They are wearing the attire of Jews. They are singing the prayers of Jews. But they are also burning symbols of Judaism into occupied people's faces. It really shows the disconnect between Zionism and Judaism, right? Because Judaism says, love thy neighbor, right? Be kind to those who are in need. People who are oppressed side with the underdog, right? But Zionism will brand you a human being. The symbol that has become known and has become associated with an apartheid state. According to the IMEU, Israeli police burned the Star of David onto a Palestinian refugee's face 
after tying him up and brutally beating him on Wednesday. The 16 Israeli police officers who allegedly took part in his arrest inside the Shafat refugee camp claim that all 16 of their body cameras malfunctioned, preventing any footage of the horrific brutality against the Palestinian. A lot of layers here, because where else do we hear about dozens of body cameras on police officers malfunctioning, right? They're all borrowing from one another the tactics of repressive state violence. For a state which prides itself on its technological advancements, Israel, the startup nation, we're so ahead of everybody, they can't even get functioning body cameras. We don't even know if the body cameras themselves were functioning or not, because that's not even how the statement was written. The statement says that the police officers claim that their body cameras malfunctioned. It doesn't even say that this claim was tested and it was proven to be true. The police officers claim the Palestinian requested to be branded in the face with the Star <laughs> right. of David. Ali Abu Namak tweeted, if this horrifying allegation is correct, which this was a tweet from many hours ago, um, and I think now it's, it's, it's correct. It's, it's We've correct. We've seen... We've seen the brand, but also it's been it's been reported by the Israeli media themselves. So the Times of Israel reported on this. So the Star of David branding was still visible, the, the Palestinian's face at the remand hearing. Times of Israel also says the police officers did not say what was used to brand him, as if like that would change the fact that he was branded. The judge actually mistook him as Jewish and let him go. On that point, Adi Abunama also tweeted, it would be a grave injustice to the Israeli police involved if we did not compare them to Auschwitz guards, because we know very well where this technique comes from. And yeah, it's also crazy. It's crazy to me that it's a dragnet surveillance system who has facial recognition technology on a 12-year-old who picks up a rock, but then like the police, the institution itself... The people who are actually outfitted with body cameras, suddenly there's no footage. It's like so not believable that it's just it's disrespectful to anybody who has a brain. They are just like so accustomed to lying and then having everybody soak up their lies. No challenge. Nobody willing to test the claim that all 16 of us don't have our body cameras. All 16 of us had 16. malfunctions. 16. It just shows like the audacity. That just shows yeah. the arrogance. That just shows the mentality of the people with all the weapons. They think, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll just say it doesn't work. Toddlers lie better than that. They have right. to because they know they're going to be questioned about it just a little bit. But the yes. apartheid There's going to be the slightest bit of scrutiny. And the Zionists have never encountered that. He branded himself. <laughs> okay. He tried to brand us and then he branded himself. And it was, we, it, we branded him in self-defense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We took his brand. He was going to brand us. And then we, we took it from him. And then we did it to him. And then our body cameras fell off. And it's in like, the, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. That is, that sounds like a child on mushrooms is what that sounds like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where it's just like you're lying with such cavalier attitude. Uh, 
and they think they're the good ones. Like they are like, we are doing good stuff here. Some of them are like, we're doing God's work. Yeah. And it's like, hey, 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 you guys should check back with uh, the book because. Pretty sure you're reading You've lost the plot. (laughs) Yes. I want to talk about the latest Hasbara effort to whitewash Israeli apartheid. And this is the boy band. Mm, Yes. Hasbro's like, hey, everybody keeps saying we're an apartheid state. The evidence is just mounting. It's getting really icky out there. What do we do to fight back? How do we to those allegations? (laughs) We say bye, bye, bye. (laughs) How do we prove to everyone that it's just you know a lot of coexistence over here, even though we're murdering hundreds of Palestinians every year, and this last year was the deadliest year for Palestinians, and forty some children were murdered this year by the occupation? How do we just sort of sweep that under the rug and just decorate it with you know? All sorts bells of bells and whistles. Exactly. So what are we gonna do? And I guess with bells and <laughs> dog whistles. <laughs> and I guess all the the Zionists at the boardroom table were like, okay, hear me out, a boy band. And yep. I kid you not, this is their latest bizarro idea is a Palestinian Israeli boy band. The best part is, is that this band has been marketed for over a year now and they haven't released any music, right? So it's just been this like, (laughs) it's been like this shell company of a band where they're like, this Mm. band, like get the hype up for this band. Everyone, like this band's got to get fans, but the band has no music. It's not a band. It's just a mirage of a band. So like, if you look at all the articles that are about them, it's like the Israeli Arab boy band that will take over the world. It's all about like what they're going to do in the future, right? God damn, even their boy (laughs) bands are colonizing. Like, why can't they just play concerts? Why do they have to take over the world, right? Like, they're like, this boy band will demolish a village. (laughs) Like, what is going on? Like, why can't y'all play music? And so the thing is, is that they even got Paramount to make a docuseries about them. And they claim that two of their members or three of their members are are, are Palestinian, right? Because that's what you need to to sort of push this narrative that everything is fine. But it's it's really not clear who, if any, are Palestinian. They checked- found like a Nas Weekly or what? What's going <laughs> yeah. on? I know. They found like Nas Daily's cousin who's just like equally gross. Nas like- bi-monthly. <laughs> <laughs> just terrible you guys have to check out their instagram page it's all a mirage it's all fake none of it is real and literally everything they do is made up right like they can't they cannot they have nothing to offer except (laughs) murder like yeah as one as one that's what they're called as one that's the name right so it's like we are jews and arabs singing in english under the banner as one. And we've never released a song. And we've ne- 
You know what that band has in common with the occupation's relationship to Palestinian prisoners? They've never released them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, look. So here, here, here's, here's, so this is an article from Variety Magazine from last year. Okay, last summer, they were already trying to hype up this band. And I use the word band very loosely. They yeah, said, uh, um, you shouldn't even call them a band because <laughs> like you and I are a band as much as they are a band. Like we have actually released things. We have a track record of over a hundred episodes. I think I've sang on at least one of them. I, I feel like you so, have. Uh, you at least did a slam poetry. I mean, there might be. I rapped. Okay, no, listen, listen to how this article is written from last year. Comprised of Jews and Arabs, the guys will sing in English under the banner as one. The plan, Leviton told an Israeli television program, is to bring them to the U.S. or possibly the U.K. to write and record and hopefully come up with some global hits. They are looking at summer 2023 as their launch date. Here's the thing. I don't know any band that got famous before being like before doing what they said they were going to do. How do you get famous for being a band when you're not no, yet a band? No, it's very normal and <laughs> usual that this band popped up out of nowhere with the support of major industry. That makes sense. It's terrible. Go on their Instagram page. It's it's absolutely nauseating um it's just like these guys and they're doing all these poses and the english is horrible and i'm like yeah. is this if this is your last ditch effort to save your whole settler colonial project uh, it's definitely not their last ditch effort <laughs> it's like one of them though it's one of them because like in the same week that they're like actively promoting this band as the thing that's going to save them from the claim of apartheid they're also like branding palestinians with stars of david so i feel like it's just not enough in defense to the offense which they're putting out there you know i agree it's just not enough you, you're gonna have to go much harder in terms of cleaning up your image because i don't know how you bounce back from brand I don't think the branding story is like as widely circulated among the general public as you think it is, maybe. <laughs> the you branding know? story like, just like broke. You kind of like, got to know who like to, to follow yeah. for that info. Of course, it's not going to get the news coverage that it deserves, but that's part of the problem that we're dealing with. But that's with why in, we in any event, covered right? it and started with it. I want to cover the fact that there have been like mass protests inside the occupation and the settlers have been running each other over with cars. And I just want to say it's refreshing that they are now hitting each other as opposed to running over Palestinians exclusively, right? That's the equality that they can look forward to. It's sort of just like a leopard ate my face moment, right? Where now... Like the people who were supporting this apartheid regime are now sort of feeling some of the effects of it. And that's why we took some time off because they're crumbling. So we thought, <laughs> hey, good time to take a little vacay. They are literally killing themselves. We could use a few weeks off. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of the story from a few weeks ago where 
the Israelis have now started to organize to get skunk water out of the Israeli police and military's use. What? But yeah. how will they practice <laughs> Judaism without skunk water? It is one of our essential activities. Ten. Yes. Yes. It's a tenant. It's a core tenant of Judaism, skunk water, I believe. He did ask the rabbi about that, and he said that the people who engage in that type of behavior, the skunk water folks, are the type of people who the land vomits out. I just, I didn't know that the land struggled with bulimia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they, they're, they're very happy when skunk water is used against Palestinians. They're a little less happy when it's used against themselves. Suddenly, it's a problem. Yeah, so there was a guy who was in the midst of a protest, and he's running, like, he sees there's a camera crew, and he runs over, like, it's his hero moment. And he's like, I'm out here for my son who's serving in Hawara. Now, let's remind you, Hawara is the place where there was just a literal pogrom conducted by Israeli Zionist settlers. Burned cars, they burned businesses. It was like the Kristallnacht, essentially, in Germany. And the settlers were working with the army, right? They were all working cohesively together as one unit to endanger Palestinians. And so this guy is in occupied Palestine. He's in 48. And he is at a protest. He's donned the Israeli flag like he's a superhero with a cape. And he runs past this skunk water as it's shooting. He sees a camera crew and he delivers one of the most unhinged, like clearly cognitive dissonant interviews that exists on public record. I'm protesting here on occupied land because my son is in the army. And it's the literal meme that's been circulating around where it's like Israeli settler in Hawara is like, uh, better get back to this democracy protest. Exactly. And I mean, it's weird because anytime you see interviews of individuals who are going out to these so-called democracy protests in the apartheid state, they all are very detached from reality. There was another woman who was interviewed by the Middle East Eye, and she come to the apartheid state from the UK. And her interview was very similar to the one that you just stated. She said, I came here because I thought that Israel was a democracy, and I came here to live in a democracy that celebrated all of these fundamental freedoms, and that's what we're fighting for because that's what Netanyahu's trying to take away from us with this judicial overhaul and this and that. And I'm like, I just commented, who's going to tell her? I don't know how they manage to just all collectively agree to live in denial. And that's why when Rabbi Shapiro, a lot of what he writes about in The Empty Wagon is about how Zionism is a mental illness. It's a shared collective mental illness. It makes sense because it, it requires but living in denial of reality. It's, it's not one that we should accommodate. Right. It's right. not a mental illness that we should <laughs> right. respect and like build a, a mental wheelchair ramp for them. <laughs> right. Right. Like right. if anything, we should 
cut off access to their brains. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> I want to send you the Middle East. I think so you can play it. Let, let's listen to her. My name is Grace Sherman. I'm from England originally. I've come to Israel many years ago, hoping to live in a beautiful free country. And what we've seen this past few weeks and months is Israel deteriorate into complete dictatorship and corruption. We've just uh, seen the government, 64 members of the government, pick up their fingers and um, vote to cancelling the law of reasonability. This law will prevent corruption in the government and in all public offices. And unfortunately, it's just been cancelled. So whatever laws they don't like, they just cancel. So all the power goes into the government and out of the public's hands. No one here will agree to live in a, dictator, in a, in a dictatorship. We are all, we were born in a free country with equal rights. And what we're seeing now is a very extreme government. And so if we have to block the roads for 28 weeks then that's what's going to happen. We're going to show them that the power of the people is stronger than the people in power. Wasn't she born in England? <laughs> yes. Uh, that's, just a, that's just a detail, Michael. She's going to show them that the power of the people is stronger than the people in power. That's a phrase that was stolen from people who actually organize. Yeah. You know against... what I mean? Like That's a phrase that like socialists use. And she is a fascist. Yes. But, you know, details. Potato, potato, whatever. Tomato, tomato. Skunk water. (laughs) (laughs) We should cover the settler who murdered somebody and then got set free by the court. Yep, that's the psycho. His name is Alicia Yerid. He's 22, but he looks 62. I know he's living in the desert, but he does look dehydrated. So, this is what you get when the apartheid state and its representatives encourage killing Palestinians. You get actual settlers that take it into their own hands to go and kill Palestinians. And then they're maybe, maybe, sometimes they are arrested, sometimes they're not. But even if they're arrested, they're almost always released within a couple of days And notice that when he was released, he was released with the biggest smile on his face, as if he was a national hero, right? He was released to applause and people who were welcoming him back home for his heroic moves in just killing a Palestinian man on his land. Elisha Yerid, this Israeli settler, was taken into custody following the killing of Palestinian Jose Jamal Matan, 19 years old. According to the Jerusalem Post, which is a Zionist media, the killing took place during a quote-unquote clash between settlers and Palestinians outside the Burqa village in the West Bank. So what that means, let me translate that, that means that the Palestinians who are from the Burqa village were on their land and the settlers show up aggressively trying to instigate something and getting aggressive and violent with the Palestinians. Um this particular settler, Elisha Yerid, then killed Hussein Jamal Matan and was arrested very briefly by the apartheid state. He was eventually released, but I think it's important to share some of the context around this particular settler to give some sort of insight into who these settlers are that carry out these attacks. So a court battle ensued when the apparently the Israeli police sought to keep the suspects in custody, but another court 
ordered their release to house arrest. Got to be the first time somebody was ordered to house arrest in a stolen home. <laughs> yes, that that is true. That that I mean, it's all. It's like, very um, weird. yeah, dude, you murdered somebody, but go ahead back to your theft house. <laughs> go go spend your time in somebody else's house and relax. It is weird. So at at his court hearing, his family came to court to support him, including his grandmother, who blew him a kiss. This is how the Zionist media is reporting on this settler who has killed a Palestinian man in cold blood. Okay. His- sure, 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 <laughs> sure. He killed somebody, but did his grandmother blow him a kiss? It literally, this is how they report on it. And his young wife, who brought their small son in a baby carriage. His young, hot, sexy wife. <laughs> Busting out of her modest dress. <laughs> who brought their small son in a baby carriage, like just trying to put together this scene of just the most innocent, cute, like grandmother and a baby. What's cuter than that? Nothing, you know? She held him up yeah. so he could see his father. Simba that baby in court. Everything you see here is yours. It's a uh, Lion King reference. <laughs> Did you ever see it? I did. Yes, I did. Okay, great. But well, hopefully our audience reacts better than you did. Because <laughs> it felt like I got nothing from you there. Uh, I love a good Lion King reference. Um, Do you? Would you tell it to your face? <laughs> <laughs> this guy is just horrible. Every picture I see of him, I just want to vomit. Yeah. He's I don't so know that it would be better happy. if he was good looking. Yeah. He's so happy. It's just gross. What really struck me was I saw a video of him sitting in court just like chumming it up with the prosecution, yes. all of the lawyers, all of the ju- – like they were all just like one big group of people who were laughing over the yes. idea that they were going to rubber stamp this murderer being transferred into a comfortable spot where he could just like kick it and hang out to just like watch it all play out with smiles when there's Palestinians being murdered every day. It's very upsetting and unsettling. And as settlers, they hate anything that is unsettling. Yes, that is true. And the Jerusalem Post also wrote on this issue when they're commenting in the within the larger scheme of the the the, the phenomenon of settler attacks on Palestinians that Inamar Ben Gavir is the minister responsible for public security, but he seems to be spending much of his time doling out gun permits, monitoring Palestinian prisoners' bread consumption, and praising individuals suspected of complicity in the violence. So it's really no wonder why, even according to Israeli statistics, right, that 25 attacks by Jewish Israelis against Palestinians took place in the West Bank in the first half of this year, which is the same number that were carried out in the whole of 2022. Of course, we know the number is much higher than that. But just even going on the statistics of the apartheid state itself, including their actual security apparatuses, they fully admit and acknowledge that settlers are attacking Palestinians in their homes on their land and that they are killing them. Those are the statistics that come from when the body cams were on. Just to give you an idea, the UN in the same time period has recorded 591 settler-related incidents resulting in Palestinian casualties. 
591 incidents resulting in dead Palestinians in the same time period where the Israeli security apparatuses are saying there's been 25 attacks by Jewish Israelis. Well, look, they differ clearly in the scope and, 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 and in the amount, but nobody here is denying that this is taking place. Everybody here agrees that settlers are attacking Palestinians. The question then is just why is nothing being done to combat this? Even in the instances where the Zionists agree that it's happening, why have none of those people been brought to justice? And the answer, of course, is because it's perfectly consistent with the settler colonial objective. They're very happy for settlers to carry out attacks against Palestinians because that makes their job, their goal, much easier. Helps with their settlement, helps clearing Palestinians out of their homes and out of their villages and their towns. It gives them a, a greater stronghold on the land. So why stop it? It's it's perfectly it's it's like free work for the states. They're like, great, keep it up. You know, it reminds me of like when Dwight Schrute was like, I'm an assistant sheriff's deputy, and he wasn't like actually being paid, but he was like arresting people. Yeah, I would have compared him to the clan over Dwight Schrute, but, <laughs> but you know I what guess, I mean? It's like and that's what these settlers No, I think I think people more widely know the office than the clan anyway, so it's a good reference. <laughs> that's what it is. The news just seems to be getting worse and worse. And so I'm like, okay, the apartheid state is just going down swinging. And we are now, what we are witnessing now is it going down, but it's swinging while it's going down. But at some point we're going to look back on this part and be like, oh, did you, did you not notice that that's when it started to fall? That's what I hope this is. It doesn't look great for him. I've never felt like there were more people mobilizing against the occupation than right now. Right. It feels as though, I mean, sure, you still run into their influence. An example, I was volunteering recently and there were two people who were born for inside 48 that were also volunteering. And I was like, wow, I didn't know you guys did anything but demolish schools. Nice to hear what they had to say to each other because one of them is like an older guy. And so he's more of the mindset of like that liberal Zionist where he's like, you know, we can fix the occupation. Like there are democracy protests right now, et cetera. But then there was a younger generation who her family had moved out of 48 because they could see what was coming. They they didn't want their kid to serve in an, in a conscription army. They didn't want to speak Hebrew. They learned their actual language. You know, they moved to where they were from. It was interesting to see the interaction between the two of them. One of them still had that like belief that it's fixable, and the other one knew that it was never sustainable from the beginning and while she still did hold some tendencies about like fearing Palestinians, even from abroad, like she was no longer in 48, but she still had those holdups like, oh, if I go there, they might hurt me. She knew that the project itself was untenable, right? She's yeah. like conscription army doesn't make sense. Hebrew, not my language. And it was really interesting to see that because it just showed the growing disconnect between the generations yeah. inside 48. So this reminds me of an, a recent article that came out, actually came out yesterday on Mondo Weiss by Mitchell 
Plitnik titled 2023, A Turning Point for Palestine in Global Politics. And he makes some similar arguments. He says, one of the more eye-opening aspects of 2023 for Palestine and Israel is how much has happened while the essential situation for Palestinians has continued its steady decline. The occupation of the West Bank has turned into annexation. The apartheid nature of Israel has been exposed for more of the world. Sorry, protests in Israel have shown the world that Israeli Jews will come out across political lines to protect the democracy reserved exclusively for them, while more and more people recognize the implication that this is something Israelis could have done long ago if the political will to address the apartheid reality had been there. Right? So no more like, oh, but if more Israelis just knew and oh, well, like if they, you know, there's they, they want to change it, but they just can't. It's like they could have this entire time, but clearly there was no political will. That's more, of course, but through it all, day-to-day life for Palestinians hasn't changed all that much. Settler pogroms are not new, although the settlers are bolder than ever. The biggest difference is that there are few more news reports about them in the West. Settlements continue to expand. The pace has intensified, but this too is not new. The Palestinian political system, such as it is, continues its collaboration, occasional shows of defiance that no one believes anymore, and every so often talks about change. Nothing new here. Yet, for all of this sameness, there are strong indications that 2023 is going to be looked at as a landmark year and indeed a turning point. Profound changes are happening. The reactions to those changes have yet to be reflected in the halls of power in places like Washington, Brussels, Berlin, and Paris. But as resistant as those capitals are to change on this front, we may well look back at 2023 as the year that their shift finally started. So this is actually very interesting. So he then goes through to explain how the most obvious factor is protests, although they work hard to prevent anti-occupation voices from speaking. The obvious continuity between denying the rights of Palestinians and diminishing those rights for Jews is inescapable. So even if the protesters can't care less about Palestinians, they are confronting the fact that it's the settler movement that has been promoting anti-democratic changes and has been increasing its control over the Israeli government and military, which is something that you know, I'm even hearing things from from Zionists, like internal Zionist discourse that's like, oh, we should just split into two states. The Zionists, like the ones like the the the, the crazy settlers, and then the ones who think that they're not settlers, but they're they are settlers, right? So it's like yeah, clearly forget a two state solution. <laughs> We're going with the three state solution. Right. You just like, gotta keep splitting things up. They're like the worst mathematicians that exist in the world. They're like, if you just keep multiplying and dividing. Yes, there is something here about the fact that as as a as a country, even themselves as a singular cohesive identity, it's crumbling. Because this it's also all reminds me. Down. But this also reminds me of what Rabbi Shapiro said, which is he says Zionism is always changing its identity. It's always changing the definition of what it means to be a Zionist. It just goes wherever the wind goes. The problem with that is that now people are starting to disagree openly and it's creating severe clashes internally. And so then this identity crisis and identity theft is now going to result in just an identity breakdown of who even are we and how can we even sustain ourselves as one movement as one face zionism is a house of cards and just like kevin spacey they have a weird relationship to children 
Okay, so I want to talk about this letter initiated by Israeli scholars calling out American Jewish leaders for supporting apartheid ethnic cleansing and Jewish supremacy. It's getting more and more signatures, 1,600 counting in 10 days, and is sparking media attention. This is very interesting. 1,600 Israeli scholars calling out American Jewish leaders for supporting apartheid. Letter calls on American Jewish leaders to recognize apartheid and demand that U.S. leaders restrict American military aid from being used in the occupied territories and end Israeli impunity in the U.N. and other international organizations. What's interesting is that now all these Western media outlets have to address and speak about this letter. So in the Washington Post, uh, there was an article recently that said that the elephant in the room is the regime of apartheid that prevails for Palestinians living under Israeli control. Very interesting. We're starting to get the apartheid word in mainstream media outlets. Meanwhile, the United States House of Representatives just passed a bill stating that Israel is not a racist state. It's like... (laughs) What is happening? What is the disconnect? How is it that they are so far disconnected from reality that you have Israeli scholars coming at our House of Representatives from the left? Yeah, that is weird. That resolution, so it's so they passed this resolution in July saying that Israel is not a racist or apartheid state. The vote yeah. was 412 to nine to one the one was diane feinstein because she doesn't have a brain anymore no i'm just (laughs) she's a senator right no it Um, was so it was 412 agreed that israel is not racist yeah so literally almost all the house of reps literally almost all of the house nine democrats voted israel is racist rashida tlaib AOC, Ilhan Omar, Jamal Bowman, Summer Lee, Cori Bush, Ayanna Presley, Andre Carson, and Delia Ramirez. And one, Betty McCollum, who usually puts out great bills trying to support Palestinian children from being murdered, just voted present. I don't really understand what that was about. They also voted to say that the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus are real. Yeah, in the same vote. Everybody. Except for like a handful no, that's, of people. That's totally normal and usual, just like a boy band popping up out of nowhere. That's, <laughs> that's very normal. That's very um, normal and you should accept it, okay? But but remember, keep keep in mind that the actual people who call themselves Democrats that are not in the establishment politics, the people who vote are showing significantly greater support for Palestinians than for Israel. The House of Representatives is almost just like that boy band because they voted as one. Yeah, exactly. Folks, that's been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources, www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepalestinepod. Send us an email, palestinepod at gmail.com. And look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of The Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day. Wow. Can I tell you that this is maybe one of your best setups ever, actually? And I (laughs) mean that genuinely. I hope you don't take this as like me roasting you. This is actually a pretty good setup for you. What do you mean? I don't know. You've just got like a blank wall behind you. Like you're like holding the mic in a way where it's like you're familiar with podcasting. It's all it looks like it's going well. (laughs) 